You are tuned into CFCR 90.5 FM. This is Punch Radio, and it is time for the nerdy news. We got a whole bunch of stuff to uh, throw at you this week. Uh, Hank and Craig are going to talk a little bit about introing your kids to movies that are probably super um, inappropriate, like stuff that you remember from your childhood that uh, you thought would be good to show them, and maybe it's like, oh, geez, huh, that doesn't hold up. Um, so that should be quite entertaining. Uh, Tony recently acquired some really cool Star Wars cards, so he's going to talk about that, and uh, Kathy's going to talk about some Star Wars animated stuff. Brennan is uh, going to talk about Warrior Nuns, which I'm quite excited about. This is on Netflix now, and it has a good history, so I'm eager to learn more. And uh, I'm going to start things off with um, a couple of different things. So uh, one thing that happened this week, um, early in the week, Ennio Morricone passed away. And if you don't know who that is, he is like a legend, mega god when it comes to movie scores. He's the probably the most recognizable composer of Western score. He did pretty much every Sergio Leone movie. Um, best known most likely for uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, but did tons and tons of great movie scores for like great directors right across the board. Um, if, if you've seen a, a big Hollywood caliber movie in the last like, you know, 40 years, he probably did the score. Um, in addition to all the other different like Westerns, he also did the music from The Exorcist and The Thing. Uh, Once Upon a Time in America, Cinema Paradiso, a total classic. Less of a classic um, is Wolf, uh, <laughs> which is a Mike Nichols movie, which is actually really bad, but uh, the music is really good. The Mission, beautiful, beautiful music holds that together. Worked with Brian De Palma on The Untouchables. And just, it goes on and on and on. And it's kind of odd in that, um, he didn't really win any Oscars. Like he got nominated a gajillion times, but he only finally won in 2016 for his score of The Hateful Eight. And uh, he did get a Lifetime Achievement Award in 2007 from the Academy for you know all the great work that he did. But um, he passed away, I think on Monday and he was 91 years old and beautiful, beautiful music. So a sad loss that we won't have any more Ennio Morricone music, but uh, we have a rich history to draw on and you can uh, delve into that because it really is incredibly beautiful stuff. So thank you Ennio Morricone. I hope you are now composing beautiful music wherever you are. Uh, the other thing that I want to bring up quickly is uh, Marble Olympics are well underway on um, the Jelly Marble Runs are doing fantastic work. Uh, we've had three events so far, Balance, then the half pipe and uh, just earlier this week, uh, the funnel, which uh, great, great performances all the way around. I am so pleased to announce that the O-Rangers are currently sitting in second place overall. So this is a huge, huge thing. Uh, Minty Maniacs are actually holding the podium's gold. They've won two gold medals and one bronze with, so that gives them 65 points. O-Rangers have one gold, one silver for 51 points. Crazy Cat's Eyes, one silver for 41. Raspberry Racers, one silver for 34 points. And Midnight Wisps have a single bronze, which gives them 32 points overall. So 
there's still like 13 more events to go, but I thought that everybody should know. And uh, because of those gold medals uh, that have been getting out, um, also some different food banks around uh, the, the Americas have benefited because uh, uh, last week tonight with John Oliver is giving money to those on behalf of the teams that win. So that's super exciting. Really, really good stuff. Um, super happy that that is going on. And then the last thing that I want to plug, this is super important for uh, the comic book nerds out there. Free comic book day usually happens on the first Saturday in May. And of course, that was right in the midst of COVID. So it got the big axe. So what they're doing instead is starting this Saturday, uh, we will have the start of free comic book summer. So every single Saturday from now until mid-September, you can go to any comic book store in North America and pick out some free comics. So instead of like choosing from 50 titles, this time each week there'll be like five titles and you can go and pick out a free comic and learn some new cool stuff. And the one that um, I'm most excited about for this Saturday is called Firepower. It's uh, Robert Kirkman and Chris Samney. It's so freaking good. It looks amazing. The little prelude just came out last week and I read it and it blew my mind. But on Saturday, we'll be able to get our grubby little hands on issue number one, which like takes place 15 years later. So on next week's program, we're gonna talk about that amazing book. So just a little teaser, go to your comic store and get a copy of Firepower for free because it's really, really good and you're gonna to wanna to be in on the ground floor for this. So just trust me on it. It's a Kung Fu epic. The art is stunning. Just get it, just get it. Okay, that's, that's me for this week. Um, I'm gonna throw things over now to Tony. Tony, tell us about your comic, uh, sorry, your uh, Star Wars card collection. Okay, so recently I purchased some of the 1977 um, Star Wars cards and I got thinking about, you know, the old days when I bought them. Um, and I was thinking about the time that I actually had to walk after school, Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, I walked probably about five miles almost across the city to buy to a store, a Husky, I think it was, to buy some Star Wars bubblegum movie cards. And I got there and I, me and my little girlfriend went together and we got there and they had none. So it, we probably got home at about eight that night from school. And I got in a little bit of trouble, but it was worth it. No, it wasn't worth it because I never <laughs> got anything out of it. But anyway, so I purchased some, uh, some uh, the bubblegum cards here recently and of course the ones I got did not have gum but uh, back in 1977 uh, OPG Canada uh, released three sets of bubblegum cards and what happened was the tops actually had five five sets and then OPG the Canadian subsidy of, of tops in a way because they would actually take the cards and they would change it uh, so it was Canadian and with bilingual and such uh, so the sets are very similar to the tops uh, the Canadian company would uh, then change them but the minor changes obviously had to be distributed through Canada so there was some changes set one was a blue star border which came out in 1977 uh, the color actually changed in each set the borders changed so you can actually see the difference in the cards. They basically stayed the same as the top cards uh, and they kept actually the whole little, um, the back of each card stayed the same as the top cards. So they would have little puzzles and movie facts and story summaries. And I think 
the, the puzzles were the best when you were young because you'd actually be able to like build the puzzle, take the cards apart, you know, and keep the cards and build the puzzles. And the puzzles were always like little movie posters and stuff like that. The thing about the OPG compared to the tops cards, uh, they were really poorly printed. The set I got, you can really see the difference. Like they're just, uh, when they're printed, they're not, they're not, they're not centered. Um, we definitely have a problem with the edges being very rough compared to the tops cards. So whatever Obishi was doing, they were definitely doing it as quick and fast as possible. They are thicker than the tops cards, but just well, not, uh, not printed as well. So the first two, uh, the first two sets match up the same as the tops sets. Uh, but then there was a change. Basically what happened was uh, Obishi never made a series three. Uh, or they made a series three, but they actually missed series four and five of the tops cards. So they only actually had a series one, two, and three, where tops had one, two, three, four, and five. So you actually never got to see uh, series four and five in OPG. So you're actually missing cards. So if you're in Canada, you never got the same amount of cards that you would have got if you were in the States. Uh, and also because of that, a lot of the stickers didn't match up. So they were actually missing stickers. So you never got sticker 23 to 33 uh, because they just never were printed here. So the stickers were were different. So you're pretty much just buying cards now that are completely different than ones in the States. Uh, but that's kind of what I remember missing cards and stuff like that. The cool part about the sets were the way that the photos were taken. They, they're they very uh, repetitive in the sense that they would have a picture of Luke Skywalker, a wide shot, and then two shots later, two cards later, it would be the same shot, but a close-up shot of the same shot. And so a lot of the shots, a lot of the cards had like basically just the same pictures over and over again, uh, which you don't really care when you're a kid because you just want those cards for those pictures. So in the third set, there was a C-3PO card, card number 141. And when I got my cards, I realized I was missing 141. And I thought, why would I have a full set of cards that I'm missing one card, 141? I looked into it and what it is, is the C-3PO card is missing because it was actually pulled. There's a lot of stories why it happened, but there's a, a, a um, I don't know, I guess it's a, a penis. Someone <laughs> drew a penis on C-3PO. So this big gold penis coming out of his costume. And it looks like people said that it's the costumes moved and there's a change in the costume. But someone went in there and drew a penis and then it hit it printed and they printed, you know, some of them and it was, it was, uh, you know, taken off uh, and taken away right away. But there was still a lot that actually made, made it to the streets. And I actually had one of those when I was a kid. I actually was lucky enough to see it and think to myself, what the heck is this all about? Because I had no idea. I was a kid. I was nine years old. So I was like, I don't understand this. It was just weird. So there, those are hard to find. We actually bought one. I went online and I bought a, um, a fake one. Um, just so I can actually complete my collection. It was like $5 compared to, you know, the hundreds of dollars that the other ones were. So, so that's my big thing. I bought these really, really awesome um, bubblegum movie photo cards from Star Wars in 1977. Series three is what I got. And I'm quite happy with them. And uh, they're not worth anything unless they're in like a mint shape. If they're a gem mint, they're worth a lot of money, but mine are definitely not a gem, gem mint. Might've been played with by some small children in the past. But yeah, pretty exciting about my photo cards. That's an excellent find. I'm super jealous. Uh, I used to carry around one of the cards that had the baby Ewok on it in my wallet, like for years, until my wallet got stolen, and then I was not able to replace it. So, oh, so it goes. That's Ewok. like I'll look for one for you. Maybe I'll find a baby Ewok card in the future. <laughs> oh, that would be so sweet. 
All right. Well, let's keep the uh, good times rolling uh, with the Star Wars news. Kathy, what have you got to share with us as far as the animated uh, programming goes? I came across something that I didn't know existed recently. Before Lucas sold uh, the Star Wars franchise to Disney, he was working on something called uh, Star Wars Detours. Originally, he wanted to call it Star Wars Squishies, which is a style of animation, I guess, where they, you know, the stress ball squishies where you squish it and the head gets really big. That's how he wanted these characters to look, these animated characters. So um, the Squishies never made it as the actual name. It was renamed Star Wars Detours. Thank goodness. It came about because uh, Robot Chicken and um, Family Guy had done parodies of Star Wars and George Lucas actually really liked it. Um, and there were no movies on the horizon at that time. So he hired the Robot Chicken guys and uh, some of the Family Guy writers and some other comedy writers at the time to uh, put together this comedy parody Star Wars cartoon. They made 39 episodes and had written 62 other ones. The 39 were fully animated, ready to go. Then Lucasfilm was sold to Disney and they decided that they were gonna put their all their money towards The Force Awakens and didn't wanna confuse people by putting out a parody of something that they felt was they wanted to be new and fresh and everything like that. But so it sat on the shelf for five years. Then in 2018, Lucasfilm applied for a trademark for the series. So people were really hopeful that maybe this series was actually going to make it on uh, maybe on the new Disney Plus, but it never did show up. Uh, there's been a campaign recently because uh, we're kind of in between things right now. Um, the Star Wars movie series is pretty much over. Mandalorian is over. We were watching a whole bunch of streaming stuff. Um, and, and so people were really trying to get Disney to release Star Wars detours onto the Disney Plus. Um, there was a campaign that you were supposed to um, put uh, a hashtag to the Disney, Disney Plus people to release the Detours cartoon. If you want to see what Detours was gonna be like, there is uh, six little clips on YouTube that we watched um, that kind of shows what it's about. Uh, if you're a fan of Robot Chicken um, or Family Guy or anything in that area and you like Star Wars, you probably will like this too. It's just a mashup of, of all those things. Um, it's set between one, two, three, and four, five, six, in that kind of dead zone there, where nothing really much happened. It's not really about the Star Wars uh, universe. It's more about the day-to-day -day stuff. It's a good comedy. I watched some of the clips, and I can't believe that it was never aired. It's very fun. Uh, some of it's a little dated. You know, it's 2012 or whatever when they made them. Yeah. But yeah, I really liked it. I, the animation style was good, and I can't believe it never aired. And I can't believe they made so many of them, and they're just sitting on a shelf somewhere. Yeah. So much money and so much time was spent on these things. And I can't wait to see them. I really, really hope that they release them. Yeah. And it's the last thing that George Lucas did with Star Wars. Like yeah. it's, it's his last oh, Star Wars thing. Disney. But... Disney wrecks everything. Star Wars. <laughs> what happens? It would have to be retooled if they were going to do it now. Because um, like we were saying about some of the old animation stuff, right? Like even though it's only 2012, there's still a few things in there where I was like, ooh, maybe we can't joke about that now <laughs> kind of things, you know? So it'd have to be retooled a little bit, I think, if it was going to be released now. But 
the animation's really cool and it was super funny. Awesome. That, that's something to look for. I'm sure it will show up someday. We just, you know, have to be patient. Well, uh, Craig and uh, Hank are going to talk about showing their kids their favorite movies and things and how, yeah, how time has not been friendly to all content. So, uh, Hank, Craig, take it away, fellas. Thanks, Jody, Craig, and Hank here. And uh, usually we come at you kind of talking about some stuff we've been watching or reading or doing. But uh, we sort of were having an interesting conversation off mic. Uh, and both of us have kids. Uh, my oldest is seven years old. And uh, how old's your daughter? Nine? Ten. 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 So uh, obviously she's getting a little bit older. But, you know, uh, Hank and I love to go back and, and introduce our kids to the movies that we grew up watching. Uh, and in some cases, I'm starting to feel like I'm introducing movies to them that are uh, that they're probably a little too young for still. Maybe I was in grade five or six or seven when I saw them, and I'm showing them to a kid in grade two and going, yeah, maybe this isn't appropriate. But I know that, uh, Hank, you were watching some stuff with your daughter and maybe your son even too that uh, that was like rated PG, but maybe should have been rated 14A. So do you know, uh, the first question I wanted to ask you is, do you know if at, at any time they'll actually take movies and go back through the rating process to have them rated again? I have, of that? I have seen that before. I think it's pretty rare, really. But And most of it might have happened even between, like when we were kids, there was a different rating system than what there is now. So I don't think there was 14A when we were kids. Uh, I remember Terminator being Special X when I was a kid. That rating doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's 18A now. So movies, uh, like I know uh, before I talked about, uh, we tried to watch Gremlins and then you got Gremlins in trench coats flashing people and putting Gremlins in microwaves and decapitating them and they're burning them and their heads in the fireplace. And it's all like, see, I didn't remember any of that. I was just like, oh, Gremlins was funny. And then trying to watch it with a younger kid, I'm like, well, you're going to have nightmares for a year and that's PG. Um, then just going racism, you got like bad news bears where they're dropping racial slurs, including N-words like you wouldn't believe, and kids drinking, you had Dumbo, Peter Pan. Peter Pan, I will not let the kids watch. They've never seen it. Um, and the other night I went, you know what we should watch? Back to the Future. I'm like, my, my daughter, never seen Back to the Future. So we start watching this movie together, and I remembered it one way. Uh, well, I didn't realize how much profanity is in that movie. I'm like, well, that's okay, because we've talked about that before. And that's one way to, uh, to go about things. But after getting in, after the profanity, there's drinking and driving, underage drinking, of course, the smoking that's in every movie, alcoholism, a lot of screen time given to bullying, old school views of gender roles. But then we get the peeping Tom climbing into a tree to spy on a woman undressing in a window. And then we jump right to the sexual assault or the rape in the car and then using uh, some racist uh, words towards uh, African-American uh, people in the movie, which led to a good half an hour, 45 minute conversation after the movie about all of these things. And frankly, I remember the movie completely different and I was shocked to watch this. And I was like, well, I can't turn it off now. We're going to have a conversation, which led to a good conversation. But do we as parents have to go back and re-watch all of these movies before we go and show them to our kids. I still would have let my daughter watch it, but I wish I would have known ahead of time so we could have had a conversation beforehand instead of like, oh, yeah, that's not good. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, that's a good question. You're also, you also didn't mention the incest in that movie. Oh, yeah, sorry, the incest, too. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, I mean, and I know there are like, uh, even when I worked at the video store, like, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, uh, the, they would have like a guide on the back that would say, you know, how many swears there are, what kind of drug uh, situations are there, or violence or sex in the movie. And I know there are websites you can go to to find that stuff out. Uh, to be honest, it like, I mean, a lifelong movie watcher and everything, I'm, pr I'm pretty desensitized to all that stuff. And like I said, I've been showing movies to my son uh, that I saw as a kid, but I'm sort of giving him more credit really because he's way younger than I was when I saw them. When I was his age, I'd, you know, seen Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. I don't even think uh, Return of the Jedi had been out by then. But the other day, uh, we watched actually, more like I was watching it and he was hanging around, but I was watching the Dark Knight movies, which are, you know, obviously there's some crazy violence and stuff in those movies, uh, as well as the Batman 89. But I uh, started watching Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which uh, I knew, like, there's the scene where he rips out the guy's heart. So, you know, I was kind of paying attention to that to see what the vibe was like. And I didn't want to give him a bunch of crazy nightmares or anything. So when that scene came up, I, you know, hit uh, fast forward. But uh, I forgot about, like, like you were mentioning some of the racism or whatever in Back to the Future. Uh, and there's some real casual racism in movies like Temple of Doom where they go to the, the palace at Pankot or whatever in India and it's like all the food is really weird. It's like they're eating bugs and snakes and chilled monkey brains and stuff, which was like hilarious when you were a kid. Like monkey brains, gross. But now it's like, well, wait a minute. So like it really presents this idea and it, like I mean, my son goes to a daycare that's multicultural with a lot of different uh, you know, a lot of different uh, backgrounds and everything. And so do I want him walking in there and thinking like that they're, that they eat chilled monkey brains or something. Uh, so it's definitely interesting. I, I was thinking of John Hughes as well uh, when we were talking about this. Now I, I wasn't watching those ones with my son, but my wife and I uh, had been rewatching a few of them lately and we rewatched the breakfast club, which isn't that bad. Uh, like it's got a, a few, uh, maybe some homophobic slurs and stuff in it, but it, it's really like uh, 16 Candles, which like you think of these movies as classic teen movies, just these wholesome, funny movies, but like 16 Candles is particularly like egregious. And I think Molly Ringwald even wrote a great essay about this uh, a few years ago that you can go look up and find. But uh, first of all, you've got the character of Long Duck Dong, who is just the like epitome of casual racism and like it's racism for jokes. It's just as bad, if not worse than as uh, Mickey Rooney in like breakfast at Tiffany's where he's like got the fake teeth and the accent and everything. Um, but even more so in 16 candles is the depictions of like, I guess just sex and stuff like that. But the, uh, you know, there's regular run of the mill teenage stuff in there, but it's like the scene where uh, really at the end, uh, like the girl has sort of lost consciousness and uh, Farmer Ted played by uh, Anthony Michael Hall, like they have relations and she doesn't remember it. So like in essence, like, you know, that was just seen as hijinks in 1985, but you know, we would very clearly recognize that now as like a hardcore sexual assault. Uh, and so, you know, it is a very interesting, it's, a, it's interesting to look at these movies and go like, you know, can you still have those recollections that you had as a kid? Uh, you know, are these movies, you know, as they, as the times change and they, you know, not, that stuff was never right, but now we're really more rec cognizant of that it's not right. You know, what does that mean for the movie? I don't have the answer to that question. Uh, 
uh, I'm like, I'm just sort of posing that for everybody to answer for themselves. But like, it's the only thing we can do is recommend to all the parents out there to go on. Like, like IMDB has a great parent guide that goes through all of that. Well, I never thought in a million years for Back to the Future, I would have to look at a parent guide. Well, now for every movie, I'm going to go to the parent guide and check it out. And then I'll make the decision whether we're actually going to watch it together or not, because that's just too much. Yeah, no, exactly. So uh, I think that's about time for you and me today. But uh, yeah, I think from now on, we'll just, I guess we can't, I guess you said even the Disney ones aren't safe. Oh, they're not safe. They will stick nope. Disney movies, but uh, some of those are, are iffy too. So, uh, but we'll throw back to uh, Jody here. Here you go, Jody. Thank you, Craig and Hank. And okay, Brennan, um, you want to talk about Warrior Nun. And actually, Tony and I were talking about this earlier in the week that uh, it's a new thing on, on Netflix and we're super pumped about it, but I don't know very much about it. So please educate us. Okay, so I was randomly on Netflix and I'd watched something else and this ad came up for Warrior Nun. And my first thought was, is this based on the comic Warrior, Warrior Nun Ariella? Which with a name like Warrior Nun, it would make sense that it would be. So uh, even before I watched it, I made sure I did a bit of research just so I didn't get sucked into watching something I didn't want to waste any time on. And sure enough, the new Netflix show Warrior Nun is based on the Ben Dunn comic called Warrior Nun um, Ariella, which was published by Antarctic Press way back in 1994. And it follows uh, Sister Shannon Masters, and she's a member of the Order of the Cruciform Sword. And they're like an order of military nuns that go out in the service of the Catholic Church and take care of bad guys. Um, if there's a holy relic that's been stolen or something, they have to go and kind of take care of it. So like, they're like a secret order that does work for the Catholic Church. So if you've ever seen the comic before, uh, it's very stylized. It's um, the artwork is very much like a manga inspired book, but it's written by an American author, okay? So uh, the characters are very, very over-sexualized, very stylized. It's kind of like the sexy nun look, except they have big swords and they're hacking down demons and there's like some blood and stuff. Um, at the end of issue three, uh, Shannon Masters, who becomes Ariella, eventually gets a bionic arm in the comic, which is super cool does not happen in the show because in the show, she gets the power by secret and people have to find her. So I think having a big metal arm would probably be a bit of a tell telltale sign. The show itself has a lot of the same characters in them, but some of them are just recast in different ways. So the lead character in this one, um, her name is Ava Silva, and she plays a 19-year-old orphan that you discover through the first couple episodes was in an orphanage after a bad car accident and she's basically been a paraplegic, not been able to walk or to move. She is uh, in a morgue in Spain, and this morgue just happens to get attacked by these sort of demon creatures, and the order of the uh, cruciform come running in because one of their own has been attacked and killed. This is episode one, by the way, so no real spoilers. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> episode one spoiler, but not much. And there's, these nuns get the power of a halo and the halo has to be put inside of you and just as fate would have it, the halo goes inside this woman girl who's passed away. She comes back to life and now she's the next chosen one for these powers. She doesn't know it, so she runs away. Um, and that's essentially kind of where season, the first episode kind of takes us. So um, in the comic, this, this Ariella as 
like not a spirit, but she chooses an avatar every generation. And this one, the halo is actually put into their body. And if they're worthy, it will work. So a little bit kind of like, um, oh, now I'm blanking on, you know, that, that it'll choose you kind of thing. Like, like mile near kind of thing. Only it's put inside of you and it glows, kind of like Iron Man's circle, but it's in her back. Okay, um, so with your last 30 seconds, is it oh, good? You know what? So far, the first ep two episodes are quite good. If you like, like, young adult, uh, kind of action-y, with but good direction, it all takes place in Spain, so it looks good. The acting is really good. Um, the two YouTube reviewers loved it. Uh, CNN and the other one I read didn't like it, but you know what? Check it out. It's really stylized. It's really fun. Go for it. Warrior nuns. Okay. Um, I am going to check it out. Absolutely. That sounds stunning. And I hope that all you in Radio Land check it out as well. That is it for another week of Punch Radio. You know what to do. In the meantime, keep your dukes up. You have been listening to CFCR 90.5 FM.